Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, part of the Dorkening Network, with hosts Dr. Chris and Ro Lauren. Twice a month, we will talk about a Hammer Horror film, only the horror movies of the Hammer catalog from the Britain studio from the 60s, 70s, and the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Join us as we not only discuss the film's plotline, but also factoids about the different actors, production crew, and behind-the-scenes facts, as well as going over any of the information that happens to be on the Blu-rays or DVDs from these fantastic films. We will be covering classic films from Hammer's catalog, Horror of Dracula, Horror of Frankenstein, Brides of Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, just to name a few. We will also not be shying away from topics like sex, blood, and abuse towards women that many people may think be too taboo to talk about. Join us again twice a month here on the Dorkening Network and check out the rest of the shows on the Dorkening Network. You can find us at ChrisDSAV on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at RoLorn, R-O-L-0-R-E-N. Welcome back to an ex- another exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror, the official hack slash podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me for this episode, this uh, one-shot double feature, issue 23, is the writer of the hack slash timeline. You might have seen him online or visited his uh, website that he would write for, multiverse, multi, multi, multiversity. We have Greg Elner on the show with us once again to talk with, to join me for this episode. Thank you for coming back on the show, Greg. Thanks for having me. And this is a double feature, which introduces a brand new character to the Hack Slash Mythos for us. Yeah. The first one is a story all about this new character, and it does a lot of deep diving into things that will be important later. We'll mention them. Not in depth, we'll mention them. And then another one is a shorter story about uh, something that is a, a one-shot um adventure that Cassie goes on that has a little bit more character development. And Greg has the plot synopsis for us for Hack Slash Double Feature. Yeah, for this first, the first one, which is the one we were saying with the new character, it's called Cat Curio in, as she calls it, case one, the case of the Mad Mad Mailman. It takes place about 14 years before the current plot, and it stars... Catherine, also known as Cat Curio, who is apparently an autistic little girl. Like the first we see of her is her going over a notebook and talking to a police officer about his apparent, probably his kid, in the middle of an extremely bloody crime scene and not seem to, seeming to react at all. She's helping with this murder suicide. She did. She had a high opinion of the apparent perpetrator, a mailman. And she doesn't think that it was his uh, fault at all. One of the officers says that uh, a mailman going crazy and killing people is not really all that unusual. So she's really condescending to Cat. She, uh, but Cat actually disagrees. She looks at his body and he has a black stain on his shirt. He's always 
causing stains on his shirt, apparently. She wonders what the stain is from. She doesn't tell the police about this because she thinks they're rude to her. She looks at, she sees outside, there's a little bag with some kind of black liquid in it addressed to someone named Alice Salento. Alice is also the name of the character that you had seen killed by Sam Han a few issues ago when he burned during a fire. One thing to mention is Alice's family does come up again much, much later in a Army of Darkness crossover, but that's for another time. Uh, at home, Kat's looking at the object, some kind of black oil, and through, through a microscope in her home, when she goes down for dinner with her family, her brother's a little rude to her. Yes, he shows up again later. It's not important for him. But she's mostly focused on the fact that there's someone outside her window. The condescending officer, someone else, come to her home and ask if there's anything she accidentally picked up at the crime scene, and she lies to them, talking about some shiny rock she found. And they go off as if nothing was a problem. But while they're leaving, one of them agrees, one of them doesn't, the one who is condescending doesn't seem to be all that sure. And Kat realizes that she does need to get rid of the black vial of the, the fluid in the um, vial that she found. So she leaves through her window later that night using something she calls BMJ gear. That also comes up later. Outside, she burns a bit of the substance and has an extremely hot black flame to it. The society is the society of the black lamp that you had heard of before. She goes over to the house where the package is addressed, um, in, even though she is afraid of the house. When she does, the, the condescending officer calls someone with the phrase, in the name of the black flame that led you away from death's embrace, and tells him to stop her, tells whoever it is, to stop her from going further, whatever the cost. Wildcat is up against a window high up, high up above with the same gear that she was using before. She hears um, someone talking about the substance, which was apparently causing the guy, the mailman, to go insane, and also that the person was a member of the Black Lamb Society. But unfortunately, she falls from the window and is caught by Sam Hain who doesn't talk at all and just stabs her right in the chest with his knife and walks away. She seems to be dead, and that's the end of the first story. The second one, much simpler. It's, it takes place during Christmas time, around Christmas time in Michigan, for Cassie and Lisa, who are going after a slasher that seems to target dogs and puts them through an apparently sentient snowblower that they call the blood blower and Pooch is in the car singing Baby It's Cold Outside very badly. Uh, Cassie's really doing this because, first of all, it's close enough to be a slash in her purview, and also she's a friend and knows that Lisa likes dogs. But Lisa knows that the other reason is because she doesn't want to be in the house with Margaret, but she doesn't know why. She seems to think that they both are arguing over a boy. Instead of actually answering, Cassie, being Cassie, insults her and just goes on her way. As a distraction, as bait, they decide to cover Pooch in fluff from inside of a teddy bear and turn him into the world's ugliest poodle to make sure that the blood blower goes after him. Back in Eminence, Indiana, Chris and Vlad are enjoying Gertrude's Christmas dinner, but Gertrude notices that Margaret is alone outside playing with the puppies. 
and goes out to talk to her and tells her about how she knows that Cassie does care about her, but he doesn't know how to say it. And it helps her to be a little bit better. At the same time, Sheriff Maggie is outside washing the house in her car. Back in Michigan, Cassie and Lisa are having basically no luck using Gooch's bait for hours. And But Cassie realizes that the victims of the blood blower have all been small, yappy dogs that are loud and pretty annoying for a bunch of people. So it's not that the killings are random or opportunistic or even because the person or mon- or machine likes killing, but just because the blood blower is annoyed. Uh, Lisa then has uh, Poosh make a lot of noise where he starts to sing again, same song, and it really pisses off both of the women, but they're not going to stop. So the, there's an overweight man in a home nearby who turns on the blood blower, which goes after Pooch. And surprisingly, Cassie actually does save Pooch, who, for all intents and purposes, she saw as basically a meat shield until now. With the help of both Lisa and um, Cassie, they destroy the machine. And Cassie notices a transmitter that shows it's remote-controlled, having Pooch... Um, sniff out the source, and they go off to take care of the actual perpetrator one way or the other. Who we well, never get to meet other than that one little panel yeah, in the comic yeah, book, which is kind panel, of strange. But let's be honest, like two panels maybe, but let's be honest, he's probably dead. <laughs> uh, this issue had two covers, one by Tim Seeley with Cast Head in a Box and Cassie and Vlad overlooking the killer snowplow that reminds me of an episode of Friday the 13th, the series. There was a cursed uh, lawn mower. Uh, sorry, wood chipper. I'm sorry, wood chipper. There was never a snow plow, because uh, I think they were in California. Uh, or no, they were in Chicago. They were in, northern Chica- they were in uh, southern Chicago, I think. They, uh, so they didn't have an episode with snow, a lot of snow, but the, uh, that killer snow plow reminds me of the episode of Friday the 13th, uh, where the cousins and the old man have to track down the cursed wood chipper because that's where I go to buy my wood chippers antique stores <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah that was uh, admittedly that was a lot but because it was two stories in one so one cover by Chris Dean has Kathy going Shh, is uh, an artist who I don't know anything about and according to Comic, comic Vine, he has no credits to his name other than uh, that one issue of Hackslash and then Demon Wars the Demon Spirit. That's it. Uh, he might do other things, but I'm not familiar with his artwork. Very unusual. Uh, the uh, the uh, artist for the issue is Sophie Campbell uh, with Tim Seeley, and then the uh, other penciler is Mike Dima Yuga. I wonder if Sophie Campbell is related to J. Scott Campbell? I'm not sure. Also known as Ro- uh, Ross Campbell, is a comic book artist and writer. Um, I think I've met Ross her before. Listed here. What was that? Is it Ross Campbell is listed on the cover. It's uh, under Madman Mailman. It actually might be him. Oh well, then I think uh, she uh, he is now she. Oh. Based right. on the photo I'm looking at, and based on the uh, the uh, what it says. Previously, uh, previous name uh, previous name is Ross Campbell, now called oh. Sophie Campbell. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's her work. Okay, so I have met her before at a uh, all female uh, event in Boston, I believe. All female comic creators, 
uh, because uh, she's worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the IDW current series, and has 150 credits to her name. Hmm. So she's been busy in the industry for quite some time, uh, which is nice. And then uh, colorist is Mark Engelhart, uh, editor Michael Sullivan, uh, production Sam uh, Wells. And so in the very beginning, we have something that I can't believe that one, two, three, four, five police officers would have let a 12, 13-year-old girl into a crime scene to witness. Yeah, I, I imagine this is not even close to the first time she's done this. Oh, my God. This is like the kids in Scooby-Doo coming across this. Cat in this yeah. issue reminds me heavily of that uh, a favorite movie of mine called Saturday Morning Massacre, where a group of Scooby-Doo-like kids investigate one crime after another and ends up being like a hoax. But yeah, the, from the way that first officer is talking to her, it seems like they tolerate her more than anything, and she's going to come in anyway. Now, she won't come back until what? I think the Image comic series? I think so, yeah. I don't remember how far in, but yeah, she's basically going to be in a coma until then. For like 10 years, right? Because then she's like in her mid-twenties. I mean, she's definitely like drawn to be 12 or 13 here, but when she wakes up in her mid-twenties, I mean, when she wakes up years later, it's definitely like in her mid-twenties because of the time passages caught up with the modern-day Cassie and Vlad stories. Yeah, it's at least 14 years because this is 14 years ago. Might be plus a couple. It sometimes seems like Cassie and Vlad age in real time, and then sometimes they don't. Yeah, it, it changes. I, In order to find out their relative ages, I actually went over every time to actually mention a year. I think he's like nine years older than her. Vlad? Yeah. Does that include when he's been dead? Probably not. Okay. Because I definitely think Cassie was... Again, it's all the interpretation of the artist, along with like body parts that we've discussed on the show several times... Uh, if you read Son of Sam Hain, Cassie is definitely drawn older in that versus like when she comes back for his hack slash resurrection. Yeah, because I think in that one, she, it was meant to be longer than it was. Gotcha. Because I imagine it was supposed to be like a postscript. Oh, gotcha. Um, so we meet Kat at her house, and she has the adventures of Sherlock Holmes hanging up on her wall, and I was kind of curious if maybe that was... Uh, one of the many iterations of Sherlock Holmes. If you Google the adventures of Sherlock Holmes, you're going to come up with like a hundred different hits. Yeah, it's hard to tell because I think she actually mentions that the hat is not a common thing. Because I mean, this is Cat, she makes random comments about basically everything. But that might be one of the older films. Yeah, they draw her with very anime-looking eyes because her eyes are huge, as big as saucer plates, and the iris oh. themselves look like she is high on something. <laughs> yeah, but also, and compare her to the rest of the cast. Everyone else is relatively normal. Relatively, yes. Um, why do you think that she is autistic? I know they call her a retard, which is inappropriate today, or her brother calls her a tard, or mentally no, no, challenged. One of them actually says that, one of the, the, the nicer officer actually says, he says, she's, you know, mentally handicapped. She's, like, autistic, I think. Oh, Okay. It was the, ni the nicer officer when they went to the house. Right. The one who's a Black Lamp member. Something that Black Flame that will bring about your uh, your demise, either if it's not that, it's uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, that's the main thing. I think they also mention it later on, maybe once or twice, but that seems to be the case. Like, she's good enough to function, more or less. 
she's just weird. There is a, a um, I think you can only read him on his Patreon. There is a uh, girl detective uh, adult comic that this she reminded me of this very innocent like gee golly we're gonna solve the crime like veronica mars or you know like parody versions of nancy drew that you read you see like that what was that nancy drew movie um sure yeah there was a nancy drew movie in the mid-2000s it was awful um she's she's just like constantly butting her head into police business where they don't want it to be um, and so this comic book, uh, this comic strip, again, only available, I think, on the Patreon because of the insane adult content involved with it. It is, it is, it's, it's basically, it's a pornographic comic strip. She is a, she is a, uh, a, uh, a college student detective who gets herself involved in, like, one crime after another that ends up getting her into all sorts of, like, misadventures and sexual adventures with her, um, you know, other characters in the story. I can tell why they wouldn't. Uh, but uh, it's very popular, apparently. <laughs> yeah, uh, there were two movies. You mean like within the past, like in the 2000s? What I'm talking, the comic strip I'm talking about is not no, Nancy no, no, Drew. No, a bad movie. You were oh one, yeah, it was one, just one film. I, it's the girl that was on American Horror Story. She's in um, Slasher Queens. Oh yeah, there were two. There were two things. One is in 2007. They had one just called Nancy Drew, and then another one last year. Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. Okay, Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase was not terrible. It wasn't good either. But yeah, that stars Sophie. What's her name from it? The other one with um, again the blonde girl from uh, American Horror Story. Uh, that just I, I I watched like ten minutes of it. I couldn't get through it. Yeah. That's Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. That's her name. Okay, so Cat reminds me of Emma Roberts in that movie. Yeah, but you know. But yeah, it's Cat. It, it, it was a little surprising even seeing her in this because you don't expect to have a random new character be the, the star for a single issue, and then get off immediately. Yeah, usually they they do the um, victim getting off randomly at the beginning of the arc, and then we find out what happens from there. But yeah, it's it would have. I had heard that that was going to be the last we were ever going to see of her it was going to be a one-off but apparently he brought her back right then we yeah, switch over to uh uh gobbles 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 michigan oh uh michigan uh you mean the uh oh gobbles yeah gobbles okay i don't know what type of store this is the road ranger it seems to be it like, like a, it looks like it's, it's uh inside of the road essentially arms store. Yeah, because they have tater chips on the rack, but Cassie's also able to buy uh, weapons. Yeah, I, I assume it's like a really violent uh, like pit stop. <laughs> you've got, you've got, pet, you've got uh, little toys for pets. You have uh, tater chips. You have, you have random knives you can grab, baseball bats. Hockey sticks, apparently. Uh, they buy a toy teddy bear just to chop it up with a fluff in order to turn Pooch into a... Um, uh, a poodle. A poodle. That's Yeah, I was searching for the word. A poodle. They, the, the most horrifying-looking poodle you can imagine. <laughs> just 
still is less horrifying than how he usually looks. <laughs> I'm sorry, people under people ask me why do you dislike Pooch? I've gotten that email a couple times. I'm just like it's, things it's without lips. Ugly. Yes, things without lips terrify me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like they mention in the world that he is really, really horrifying looking. Right. Like when they take him out for walks, they put this that like really, really tight sweater so no one can see his face. I mean, if you saw the most recent uh, movie, Rabid, by the Soska sisters, there's a scene in that with the beautiful Laura Vandervoot, uh, who's basically got the girls, uh, the she's all that thing, where her hair's in a ponytail and sunglasses and glasses on, so she's supposed to be unattractive, and then she gets into a horrible accident, <laughs> which makes her even more so, and she her 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 mouth is wired shut, and one half of her face is completely exposed with the teeth showing through. It's so terrifying to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we like Pooch. We don't like how he looks, and neither does anyone else. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gertrude made uh, meatloaf, Christmas meatloaf for everybody. It's that a Christmas story. Hilarious. That line was hilarious. I didn't even bring it up. There's a thing, they say that he... She made meatloaf for them, and that she can do a lot of things with meatloaf. And they actually ask if they mean the food of the rock star, and she says both. Uh. <laughs> and, of course, Chris being Chris, his first uh, response to what kind of holiday film they should watch is a porn. Porky's is not porn. It's an 80s it's comedy. It's from the way he says it. Oh. But does Porky's, the 80s comedy, take place at Christmas? I don't know, but I'm just this being him, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, gotcha. Um, Georgia is still uh, there and hanging around, and they're being watched by mystery woman in a van. Yeah, no, no, that that's that's the sheriff. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's the new sheriff because yeah, because this town has the worst luck with sheriffs imaginable. And, yeah, so she is the one who's been watching over them. I don't think that they've actually deliberately said why yet. Yeah, I don't think they say why until the beginning of the, um, the beginning of the image series. But, and, yeah, she's watching over them, and she, I don't know if she's, is she friends with Chris yet? Uh, I don't know. Oh, is this the woman that later on Lisa will think Chris is having an affair with because she's yeah, pregnant? Same. Because she's, she's pregnant, and they're going out for, like, billiards and stuff, and she thinks, oh, sure, you're going out with her. Yeah, because I'm going out to play some pool. Right, right. Okay, yeah, now I remember. Yeah, again, it's the first time I've read these in, in years. Yeah, yeah. The way Pooch's word bubbles are drawn, how do you think his voice sounds like? Uh... I'm not entirely sure. Something very scratchy. Gotcha. Maybe, uh... I would think one option would be, uh... Something like Jack Earl Haley. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then we get only two panels of the guy controlling the remote control uh, killer snowblower. Uh, yeah, and on his desk, I notice he likes popular mechanics and pizza and does not like dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from what it looks like, I wouldn't be surprised if he lived in that one room. Oh, it's mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. It looks like, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised that 
he has a setup where he's able to bring that computer from one place to another, unless he's leaning over. It looks like he goes behind the couch, he has to move the lamp because the lamp is drawn directly in front of the computer, and then you see the soda in both panels right next to the computer. Yeah, so he's, he's able to wedge his fat thing. ass in between the wall of the computer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just moving in between, or he's, like, he takes it, picks it up, and puts it in front of him in the pizza. Or, uh, again, who drew this one? Okay, so Tim did not draw this one, by the way. Uh, the, uh, the artist is uh, the other one, the other person I mentioned. Oh, the, shit. The one, yeah. uh, damn it. My... Um, Mike Dima Yuga, um, d- just a bit of a continuity error there. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I imagine that he is neurotic enough that he would yank it in front of himself. It doesn't seem like it's attached to anything. So uh, it's not like he would be r- ripping a wire out. So I assume in that might be it, like he just like yanked it around for it. This guy, Mike, by the way, only has seven credits to his name, according to Comic Vine. Hmm. Again, another one that might have just <laughs> been a... Things sometimes it's um, seven different series, but a bunch of issues. Right, um, but according to the comic vine, it's just like a couple issues, and then that's it. Sure. The same thing well, again with the Chris Dean. Only two issues. That's it. Two issues. Seven issues in the other one. Whereas Sophie, the former Ross, has 150 issues to her credit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it. The art does look like it has a very good motion to it, especially when the blood blower gets going. Right, and they're able to stop the blower. Um, it's uh, it just she chops up her baseball bat, but it ends up turning the baseball bat into something very cool. But I can only imagine as soon as she takes a good whack at that thing against somebody who's as tall as let's say Vlad, uh, it's going to crack right where all the stress marks are that she's created oh, yeah. on that bat. <laughs> I mean, it might it might deal more damage than the, than the basic bat at least. Right. But it would be one hit, maybe two. And then the last page is a Love Bunny and Mr. Hell comic strip, which is cute, but I never got into these characters. Yeah, I think they are. They seem like they are more like one-off characters in general because they're like there to make little, like, uh, just little jokes. I mean, one of the characters they have here is literally called Plastic Jesus. On the back of the comic, by the way, there's the Art of Hackslash, the special oversized art book. This thing was huge. Did you ever get this? I did not. Tim sent me one. Back in 2010, he came on the show like twice in the same year, and he sent me one to give away, and we mailed it out to somebody, and about six months later, it showed up back at my doorstep saying, couldn't find. Huh. And I still have it. <laughs> Oh, uh, we, we we did a big giveaway. It's, it's the same thing happened uh, like a year ago with Karen Nicole. Karen Nicole, the cosplayer, AZ Power Girl, people know her, uh, came on the show. And she sent me three uh, photo books, whatever. Uh, one for me and two to give away. And we got one away. And the other one, uh, I kept trying to mail to the guy. He kept sending me the address. I don't know if maybe if there was a translation in how he was writing it. Maybe he doesn't write English very well. I don't know what the problem was. But every time I tried to mail it, it kept coming back saying, address does not exist. And he claims he gets mail all the time. And I finally just said, I'm not mailing this to you a third time. (laughs) I was like, why don't I mail it to a friend's house? And they'll get it for you. And he's just like, I don't live near anybody. I'm like, are you in prison? Am I mailing this to you in prison? (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, this this uh, this book is eleven by seventeen. It's forty eight pages. It is beautiful. Um, it is just it's a lot of basically like uh, some black and whites in there in there, but it's also a lot of uh, giant covers too. So if you ever only got one cover, you got basically you know maybe one of the other covers in a huge eleven by seventeen format. Yeah, I think that he has brought this. I mean, it might not be exactly this, but he's brought something that looks like this to cons. Yes, I, he. Uh, the last time I met him in person was at the 2015 Boston Comic Con, and he definitely had. I think he had this on his table. I'm almost positive. I think he tends to have it there. Yes, definitely. Um, he was sitting right next to his uh, his brother. Because he would sign my comic and then hand it off to his brother, and it's like, oh, I, my brother should sign this too. Oh, yeah. Now, now he brings Paul off. Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, his uh, his current wife. Yeah. Well, that's all the notes I have here for this issue of Hack Slash number twenty three, the double feature, one of the best comic books of two thousand and eight, according to comicbooksources dot com, Fangoria dot com, comicrelated dot com, and Comic Book Club. I know comicbookresources dot com still exists. I know Fangoria. Oh boy, you need to go online if you want to find out the history of Fangoria Comics up to, sorry, comic, uh, let me start over. If you would like to go online and, and find out about everything that's happened to Fangoria this year, please do, because we're not going to go over it on this podcast. Uh, we gave a, we did a huge Fangoria episode about two months ago um, on this podcast, because there was a Fangoria comic book uh, that was the Hackslash uh, bump crossover. And uh, that came out prior to everything that's come out regarding Fangoria and Sinistate. So that's why if you listen to that episode, I have nothing to comment on regarding that. I posted on my own personal website regarding my involvement in Fangoria and a project I was supposed to be involved with them about, or sorry, rather Sinistate, completely fell apart. You can go on to RadioHorror.wordpress.com to read my thoughts and opinions about that. So... Uh, but uh, I don't know if ComicRelated.com or Comic Book Club still exist. Yeah, I'm not sure. Greg, where could pe- where can that that that? <clears throat> oh, oh. Uh, Greg, where can people find you online? All right. Well, I've got um, on Twitter. I am at Gregory Elner. G R E G O R Y E L L N E R. I also have. Uh, uh, I'm on multiversity.com as uh, multiversitycomics.com. Uh, I'll uh, get the uh, full uh, link to my specific work, my author page, and all that. Uh, see, there. Uh, okay. If if you're looking for just my stuff, it multiversitycomics.com slash author slash G-E-L-L-N-E-R And you can find all previous episodes of this podcast on RadioHorror.com and the Twitter for the podcast is Goth Girl Horror. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror here on the Radio Horror Network. Stay safe, stay quarantined, and support your local comic book store if you happen to have one near you. There are many great independent and, uh, as well as Marvel and DC, of course, comic books out there. And Tim Seeley has, uh, I think, just completed the Porn in Space comic book. You can still go to your local comic book shop to find back issues or maybe trade paperbacks of Hackslash. Thank you, everybody.
monsters don't stand a chance. 